Welcome back to This Is Baseball. Huge, 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 huge news out of Kansas City. The Kansas City Royals on Monday announced that they have extended Bobby Witt Jr. to an 11-year, $288 million contract extension. Now, this deal has opt-outs after the 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10 years of the 11-year deal. It also includes a three-year club option that can take the total value of the deal to 14 years and $377 million total. That was from Jeff Passan of ESPN. Now, this is obviously significant because the Royals, number one, this is the Royals' biggest contract in franchise history, and it's not even close. I believe this is... Two hundred million dollars north of the biggest contract in Royals history, which I believe was Alex Gordon. And you see the the opt outs in the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth years of the contract, and maybe that makes you a little nervous. Like, ah, okay, so seven years of minimum more of Bobby Witt Jr. in Kansas City. Uh, but I think the opt outs can actually be a good thing because I think it's going to put pressure on the Royals to not be complacent and make them make them continue to invest in the talent on their team and spend more money on current players and bringing in free agents. So I think the opt-outs can actually be a good deal. I think I, I don't see unless unless the Royals just stink by the time we get around to these opt-outs. I don't really see Bobby Witt Jr. leaving. But this is a great day for the Kansas City Royals. This has been a great offseason for the Kansas City Royals. Obviously, they had already invested well over $100 million among various free agents coming in. They looked at the 2023 season and said, that's not going to work. We're not going to do that again. And they have invested into their pitching staff specifically and depth um, in for their lineup. And the future looks really bright in Kansas City. Now, does that mean that this Bobby Witt Jr. extension automatically means that the Royals are going to win the American League Central in 24? I don't think so. Uh, but this is going to help you, uh, us fans, feel really good about the future of the team that they are serious about being a winning ball club in Major League Baseball. I also believe that this signing is going to go a long way for Jackson County uh, citizens voting for the downtown stadium when that shows up on the April ballot. I think that this will go a long way because a lot of the the hesitation for citizens was, well, show me that you want to win. Why should we help fund something when you stink. Well, I think even before this uh, this Bobby Wood Jr. news, I think a lot of what John Sherman and JJ Piccolo and the Royals have done this offseason with all the all the money that they had already invested showed that that's what they were wanting to do. Now, this this extension to Bobby Wood Jr. is kind of the icing on the cake. So, Really, really, really big day for the Royals and uh, fans of Kansas City sports. 
because this is just this has never happened. Usually, a player of this caliber uh, ends up leaving town whenever they get the first chance. So it's good to see a player of the the caliber of talent of Bobby Wood Jr. that says, "Yes, I want to be in Kansas City. Yes, I can succeed in Kansas City and feel like we will win." World Series championships in Kansas City. So this news actually came out after I had already recorded this episode. So let's get into the rest of the show. We are about a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training, which means the grind is about to begin. And it's been a long off season and I think the biggest story of the offseason was everything that the Dodgers did. Obviously, signing Shohei Otani to the $700 million mega deal with the deferred payments through 2040. They also signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto, which put their offseason spinning over a billion dollars and traded for Tyler Glass now from uh from the Rays. So the the Dodgers are they're going for it obviously. So as I said they have been the big story of the off of the offseason. Some more news that came out recently, the Baltimore Orioles owner Uh, John Angelos sold the team. And this was something that the fans in Baltimore have wanted for a long time. They felt like he's a cheap owner that doesn't commit to winning. And he's sold the team now and there's going to be a new, a new vision in Baltimore. And it'll be exciting to see, what what kind of goes down on Baltimore in the near future. Now we have uh, had the, the Hall of Fame elections announced within the last couple of weeks. And this year we had, from the baseball writers' votes, we had three Hall of Famers get in. Two first ballot Joe Maurer and Adrian Beltre, first ballot Hall of Famers. And Todd Helton getting in on his sixth. We're now at this weird point with Hall of Famers, at least for me, where players are getting elected into the Hall of Fame where I can go, oh, wow, I watched your entire career. I remember watching most of your career. So... Like for the longest time, it was like, oh yeah, I know who that player is, or I know who, I know who they are. Uh, didn't really get to see them, but now it's like, oh yeah, I can think of, I can think of iconic moments in all of these players' careers that I see. Like, I'm a big NBA fan, and the Hall of Fame class last year had. Uh, I'm a big Dallas Mavericks fan as well. It had Dirk, uh, Dwayne Wade. Tony Parker, just all players that I watched play and can appreciate their career and be happy to see them in the Hall of Fame. 
and be like, I watched that guy play. But back to uh, baseball's Hall of Fame. So a player that came up just short of getting in was Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner is on his ninth ballot. You get 10 chances. And Billy Wagner has been interesting. He's a closer. In his first four years of eligibility, he was sitting at 16%. Now you need 75% of the votes in order to get elected into the Hall of Fame. So after his first four years, he jumped up to 31%, then 51%, then up to 68% last year, and now he just hit 73%. So he's trending in the right direction where on his 10th and final ballot, he will likely be elected into the Hall of Fame. And I've always thought that the way that the writers vote in baseball is just really weird because they do this thing where I just talked about his his vote percentage trending upward. He wasn't getting support in the first half of or the first 5 years of being on the ballot and now on the back end of it all of a sudden they're they're trending towards putting him in. So f- my question is I don't like, or I don't know if it's a question, but really my thought is I don't understand why, like if Billy Wagner was, if you're going to put him in on his 10th and final ballot, why couldn't you put him in on his fifth ballot or his sixth ballot? I look at a year like 2021, the writers didn't vote in a single hall of famer that year. Why couldn't that have been Billy Wagner's year? It's just odd to me. And I don't expect, like, not everybody should be, like, a first ballot Hall of Famer because I think that should be absolutely special and reserved for people like Joe Maurer and Adrian Beltre. But I'm not a fan of making people wait when, like, you could have just, we could have voted them in. And part of me wonders if, somebody like a Billy Wagner wasn't getting any attention because up until last year, the year before you had Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and those players that were in the part of the steroid era and all of the attention was on them. Barry Bonds should be in or Barry Bonds shouldn't be in. And, he ultimately, you know, didn't get in. Barry Bonds, that is. And you had a lot of writers pushing for him on social media. And something that I found with that, obviously, the vote supports what I'm about to say is the people that wanted him in were a lot louder than the people that didn't vote him in. Because if you just paid attention to what was going on with social media or the people that are more notable it what you it was looking kind of like oh Barry Bonds is probably going to get into the Hall of Fame and i don't really I mean it doesn't really matter what your opinion is on Barry Bonds Hall of Fame status i am in the camp that he should not be in i don't think that you should be rewarded for for cheating i don't care if you're the all-time home run leader i think that actually makes it worse 
I almost wonder if maybe they look at it a little differently if he had 200 less home runs or something. But I was glad to see him not get in. I know there's a lot of people that want him there. You know, it's part of the game, and he was great, blah, blah, blah. He should have a spot in the Hall of Fame. And I think he should have a spot in the Hall of Fame, but it shouldn't be a plaque that says Barry Bonds Hall of Famer. It should be, and this might actually even be a thing already, it should be just a, just an era for, an area for the steroid era. It's like, hey, you know, here's Barry Bonds. He, you know, he had all these home runs. He did, he won all these MVP awards, but he cheated. That's, that's the, that's the uh, recognition I think that Barry Bonds should get. But enough about that. I want to take a look ahead to next year's ballot and look at some of the the first uh, the first timers on the ballot. And the name that pops out immediately is Ichiro, and I think first ballot uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. CC Sabathia, probably also a Hall of Famer. Some other names, Felix Hernandez, Dustin Pedroia, Hanley Ramirez, Troy Tulowitzki. A lot of those names, while they're notable players, probably like Troy Tulowitzki, Dustin Pedroia, great players, far too many injuries, probably didn't have sustainability or long enough career to warrant being in the hall of fame they'll probably get some votes thrown at them but i don't know if they're hall of famers and i feel like baseball's hall of fame is incredibly difficult to get into i think that like like i said the voters are just like they're just kind of weird like, for me, like, I think of, like, a guy like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you look at Derek Jeter and you, you think about his career and you go, yeah, that's a Hall of Famer. That's a lock for the Hall of Fame. And uh, everybody thought that except for one person. Derek Jeter should have been unanimously voted in. He had 99.7% of the votes. Literally one person uh, didn't vote for him. Mariano Rivera, the year before him unanimous MVP another guy where you're like yep that's a hall of famer put him in and I don't understand again kind of going back to the Billy Wagner logic like if you think he's a hall of famer vote for him and I know that the writers get only a certain amount of votes that they can put towards players so I get that they have to be selective but sometimes I'm just kind of like what are we doing with these votes like the especially the years that that nobody gets in like for the longest time. And I actually like looked back at the baseball writers votes over like the last 10 years and they've put in way more people than I thought they did, but it always felt like every year whenever they were announcing the elections, I was just holding my breath and hoping that one player would get in. Like just, I mean, last year alone, Scott Rowland, one of my favorite third basements, the only the only player that got voted in year before that, David Ortiz. I already mentioned the year before in twenty one, nobody got in. So I'm wondering 
if the steroid era kind of being behind us, if the ballots will open up a little bit and we'll get some bigger classes because we had three this year and I think we might have two or three again in 2025. So a lot to, to look forward to with the Hall of Fame. But I want to shift the focus to MLB's regular season because there's been some talk recently and it's been just kind of off and on throughout the years of MLB needs to shorten its regular season. Major League Baseball's regular season is 162 games. You've basically got games every day for six months. They've been playing 162 games every season since 1961. They jumped from 154 to 162 that year, and that's where we've been ever since. And to preface everything that I'm going to say, I am I am in the camp that I don't I don't have a problem with 162 games. I've never been the type of person that's thought, you know what's too long? Major League Baseball's season. No, I look forward to it every year. And I think it's special. Like it the the grind is something that's just completely interesting to me. And I enjoy it. So honestly everything I'm about to say is just kinda hypothetical and for fun. But I think if Major League Baseball reformatted or shortened its season I think if they were going to do that they should take a look or they should kind of try to mimic the NFL and I know that that sounds weird because NFL plays significantly less games but I think something that really works with the NFL and why it's kind of the king of sports in America right now is one there's 17 games minimum for your favorite team, you you know that it's probably going to be a Sunday afternoon. It's going to take three hours of your day. So you got to just dedicate one three-hour period a week. And you're good to go as a fan. Maybe they play on a Thursday or a Monday or like those random Saturdays in December. But it's a set schedule. You know, like you know that Sunday is for football. And you look at baseball, and like I said, it is every day, essentially, from the very end of March or beginning of April to the end of September, early October. And then the entire month of October for the postseason. I think something that could potentially work really well is having a format where you have you play Tuesday through Sunday. So you'll play six days in a row, and then the entire league would get Monday off. So you'd have, you know, a day game on Wednesday or an early flight on Thursday to get to your next destination. If you're traveling on the road and in order to do a Tuesday through Sunday schedule in major league baseball, you need to drop to 
like 150 games if you wanted to have it from the beginning of April and actually have it end in September or that last week of September if I uh, did that math right. And I think that that would be good ending the season a little bit earlier, especially due to the expanded postseason. You now have, instead of five teams making the playoffs, you have six. You have an entire extra round now. You have the wild card series. And you have the postseason bleeding into November, and that's how it's been for a long time. And I think you get everybody on the same schedule and everybody gets the same rest, keep their travel similar. I think it would be probably, I think logistically it probably would, that would be the biggest challenge is travel and then having to consider uh, makeup games or any other scheduling conflicts. But I think baseball, baseball's biggest problem is it probably is the length of the season. Cause if I refer back to NFL, it's 17 games once a week and it's really easy to make to see every every game of your favorite team major league baseball i mean sometimes you're not even good for once a week because there's just so many games so you could almost like have that structure of hey we play tuesday through through sunday and just make make an event of it make you know Wednesday night baseball or you know they already do Friday night baseball on Apple and then Saturday baseball night in America make ESPN's Sunday night baseball just a big event and just get because especially with the Sunday night baseball thing like a lot of people's gripe with Sunday night baseball is like everybody else typically plays during the day on Sunday and then the team that has to play Sunday night, like kind of gets shafted because then they got to travel and they're just kind of like behind because they play in the evening. That wouldn't be as big of an issue because everybody would get that Monday off. So make, make these big events the same way that NFL does. Now I don't, and I think just based off of the small sample size we have of 2023, the people were watching last year with the rule changes cutting the games down all like uh, an entire half hour in 2023 people people responded to that and were interested so i think you have people that would be interested in something something like this and even like that's all things that can happen even without having to mess with the schedule because i think it's a long shot that anything changes with the way that the regular season is built anyway, they'd have to bargain that. And that's something that wouldn't even be on the table for a couple years anyway. But in back to making these games, a big event and really just marketing the games better, which I think is something that major league baseball struggles at 
just from a team standpoint and from a star player standpoint, you don't know who half the really great players in the league are the same way that you do NBA and NFL. Um, I think get these national games, like get get other markets involved that aren't Boston and New York. We don't need an entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of Boston and New York playing each other. Like, yeah, give us give us that once or twice a season. Give us the Dodgers, obviously, but like, look at the Royals market push. Bobby Witt Jr. Like, you should pay attention to this player. Look, I mean, Arizona, Corbin Carroll, Rookie of the Year, Atlanta, like all. There's so many good players around the league, and I think like we get the league just gets tunnel visioned on the same four markets, and I think you just get some fatigue uh, on those games. But back to the schedule, I think another thing that could be considered is just going back to 154 games being done with the season a week sooner and then getting the postseason rolling a week sooner as well and then just being done by the end of October. And the reason that I'm even talking about shortening the season right now is because Anthony Rendon, Angels third baseman, made a a comment about wanting to shorten the season. And Anthony Rendon has played a little less than 200 games or about 200 games in a matter of four years. So... If Anthony Rendon wanted to shorten the season to where he played an entire year, now I, I guess I'm not giving him enough credit because 2020 was a shortened season, but let's just look at 21 through 23. He's played about an entire season. So we need to have like a 50-game season for Anthony Rendon right now to to uh, play a full season. So he's probably not the right guy to make a push for shorter seasons, but I'm sure that there's other support out there. And again, I am of the opinion that 162 games is fine. So I don't really think it needs to be messed with, but that's all I have for you this week. Uh, Next time you hear from me, spring training will be rolling and then Opening day will be here before we know it, and we'll be just back into the swing of things. A little bit of news from the podcast. If you are somebody that prefers to listen to your podcasts on YouTube, I have now, as of last week, put my entire library on YouTube, my audio files on YouTube, and I will continue to upload there um, in the future. So, again, if YouTube is the way that you like to listen, that's now an option for This Is Baseball. Thank you so much for listening this week. I will see you next time. 